Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a stroll through the enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens, adorned with lighted trees and displays on our half-mile paved trail with 500,000 sparkling lights at Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights in Vienna, Virginia. Get to Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at winterwalkoflights.com. Right now at Safeway, shop the Big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three-wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all-purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and that harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet in Jesus' name. I want you to go to this scripture. Go to Revelation chapter 12. We looked at this on Sunday. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 7. Revelation 12 and 7. When you got it, say, I got it, Bishop. If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. Now, in case you're wondering what Revelation is at, that's in the back. All the way back. Revelation 12, 7. And war broke out in heaven. So there was a fight. Uh, and here's what you need to know. Now, I'm going to go deeper tonight. I got to go quick and deep. So you got to go with me, all right? I gotta, we got to go fast and we got to go deep, all right? Now, in all that, uh, the, the war was not because the enemy wanted to be like God. It's not scriptural. The war was that the enemy didn't understand why God loved us to make us sons and the angels would be nothing more than servants. Say, so, say, so, so war broke out. His issue was with us. Michael and his angels fought with the what? The dragon. Mm -hmm. And his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So God says, you dishonor, you get what? Dismissed. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. Where was he cast? Where was he cast? He was sent to hell. No! He was sent where? Here. So for everybody who, if you grew up in church, says stop on the devil because he's in hell. Mm-mm. He's here. You got that church. Now, I just messed up most of what y'all learned in church. But touch your neighbor and say, it's in the book. So that great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. So the dragon is the same as the serpent, is the same as the devil, is the same as Satan. Who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the what? Come on, talk to me, church, to the what? And his angels were cast out with him. Notice it doesn't call them demons. It calls them what? Angels. Okay, now, now that's important. That's important. We're going to get into this tonight. They were cast out with him. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice and saying, Now salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Who is he talking about? The serpent, the devil, Satan. What else is he called? The dragon. He's been what? Cast down. Did you get that? For the accuser of our brethren. Who's it talking about, church? The devil. What are we using? What do we use on Sundays in terms of a title? The dragon. He's been what? Cast down. What's his job? To accuse us. And the book says he's been what? Cast down. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. I want to go into part two of this tonight of how to train the dragon. Just to encourage somebody next to you and encourage them with these words. Say, neighbor, you need to know something. The enemy has already been defeated. Walk in your victory. Give him a shout right there if you believe that. 
Father, customize, tailor, make this word for us, your people, over these next few moments as we delve deep into the great mysteries of your word. I pray that you would make what may be complex, make it very simple so that we would move and walk in authority. You have given us authority. You have called us to rule and to reign and to conquer and to subdue. And I pray that tonight the dragon trainers would be stirred up in this place. The accuser has been cast down. And we thank you that his accusations don't stand up against us any longer. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. You can be seated. Uh, we are, as you know, in week three of our series, Animal Kingdom. This is a series where we're dealing with three things, uh, zo uh, zoology, theology, and uology. So this series meets at the intersection of the spiritual meaning of animals from the Bible, Jesus, and you. Now, tonight, I want to go deeper. Say deeper into the meat of the message we began on Sunday how to train the dragon it's a title I borrowed from a movie because I want to demolish three false ideologies about the dragon so we know the dragon is the same as the serpent is the same as the devil okay so all of those terms mean the exact same thing got it that are going to expand how you view God and teach you how to train the dragon because the mainstream concept of the devil isn't biblically accurate somebody say it's just not right and whenever you think that an enemy you're facing is greater than it really is, you will become a self-defeating entity because you now will think he's got power that he does not have. You will think he's got abilities he does not have. You will give him credit for things he does not deserve credit for. Somebody say, I am a dragon trainer. So number one, I taught you on Sunday, don't build him. I was shocked on Sunday. I had the animal with me. I don't have it on Wednesday. On Sunday, I was shocked by the size of the animal we had. It was a bearded dragon. And that term sounds huge. But when you looked at the animal, it wasn't that big. The name sounds big. It sounds scary, but it isn't. And that's the same way with the enemy. He always sounds like more than he is. People always build him up to be more than he really is. And we have got to stop building him up and stop giving him power that he does not really have. Somebody says he don't have that power there is this false notion that has been created that there is somehow God versus Satan and that is not in the Bible instead that concept was extracted from Greek mythology Zeus the God of the heavens and Hades the God of the underworld and it's pervaded Christianity for over two millennia in fact the term devil doesn't even appear until the New Testament because the proper name for the dragon is this term Hasatan H-A-A-S-A-T-A-N Hasatan I taught you this in part one and that term means would you remember from Sunday the accuser somebody say he's an accuser watch this he's not a money stealer he's an accuser he needs to just get you to act foolishly with your money y'all not hear what I'm saying uh, he didn't get in the middle of your marriage watch this he just exploited the fact that you got communication issues y'all not hear what I'm saying uh, he is just an accuser somebody say that's all he is now, uh, he's an accuser. So the dragon has a specific job to accuse you to God and to accuse you to yourself so that you disqualify yourself even after God has qualified you on the cross. See, here's what he does all day. He takes everything you say and, and this is what he does. He goes to God and says, God, your word says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so because they said X, you now have to do X because they now have cursed themselves with their own words. Then he comes to you and says to you, look at how messed up you are. Look at how many mistakes you made. Look at how jacked up you are. Nobody's ever going to want you. You just better settle. Nobody's, y'all not saying nothing. He accuses you to God, but then he accuses you to yourself. Somebody say he's an accuser. Even after Jesus has qualified you on the cross. So check it out. That's why the scripture says he's like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion because he doesn't have that type of power. But he needs you to think that he does so that you end up walking in fear rather than walking in strength. And I dare you to have have your neighbor and say from this moment forward I'm walking in strength. Wrong neighbor. I didn't like it the way they said it. They were kind of suspect. Try the other one. Say from this moment forward I'm walking in strength. Yeah, the Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. And righteous doesn't mean I do everything right. Romans 4 says that he makes me righteous, which means he makes me in right standing with God. Which means you may have done everything they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And behold, you are new and all things have passed away. 1 John 3, 8 says this, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God, that's God in the flesh, Jesus, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Look at me, church. Jesus destroyed his works. And that's Jesus' finished work. 
God has no enemies because God has no equals. Jesus gave us the authority that Adam gave up in the garden when he went to the cross. Which means we are no longer supposed to be ruled, reigned, conquered, and subdued. We are supposed to rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Which is why when pressure comes your way, you need to stop backing down thinking this is going to crush you. Instead, you need to start rising up and say, I'm going to crush it. Now, we looked at an example of this in Zechariah chapter 3. And we're going to look at it very quickly again. But I want to go deeper. Somebody say deeper. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. Here's an example of the dragon doing his job. I want you to see it in action because it's been in the Bible the whole time. What happens for many Christians is they've been taught to glorify the devil to justify poor decisions. It got quiet in there. See, if I can blame everything that goes wrong in my life on the devil, I never have to accept responsibility for making better decisions. So you can say that every person you meet is a devil or you can just say that you're so lonely you make bad decisions. Okay? You can say that uh, you, the devil's active in your finances or you can say you need a better budget. All right? See, it got real quiet in the church right there. So we've been taught to glorify the devil. Baby, the devil is busy. The devil is working. Well, let me show you how he works. Somebody say he's at work. Just not at that job. Here it is, Zechariah 3.1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Now, this is not Joshua, Joshua, Moses, another guy. Standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse and resist him. That's what the word oppose means. Say accuse, accuse. and resist. So here's what he does. He says, I'm going to not only accuse you, but I'm going to resist you. Which means, watch this, I need to say things to you that make you sit there thinking when you should be acting. I'll resist you. Wow, I says, uh, in courts, the right side of the judge belongs to the claimant or the complainant or the accuser. And the left side belongs to the defendant, the defending side or the accused. So why does the Bible say he's standing at his right hand? He's letting us know that the enemy is standing in the court of God. The problem is he's standing in a court where God is both our judge and he is our defense attorney. Which means the deck is stacked. Which means it's already set up to work in our favor. Which means it doesn't matter what accusations he throws against you. The judge has already decided how he wants to rule. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Uh, the judge, have you ever gone into a meeting where you thought you were trying to convince someone but it became very clear as you went through the meeting that the person was already convinced? They had already made their mind up. Can I tell you, when you stand in front of God, God says, I've already made my mind up about this. Uh, so this isn't an issue of whose side I'm on. See, they may have done everything you said they did, but I'm still on their side. Verse 2, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So God is both, I did this in part one, so I'm going to go through it quickly. Both our judge and our attorney. That's why he's called our counselor, because in law, an attorney is called a counselor and when the enemy is accusing joshua watch this god says objection that's what he says satan the lord what rebuke you what is he saying objection in other words shut up now i don't want you to say this to your neighbor because i don't want them getting offended at church but 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 just say it with me say shut up now if god had to tell the enemy to shut up you're gonna have to do the exact same thing so when you feel like you're never going to make it through your depression, shut up. When you feel like you're never going to make it through your discouragement, you got to tell him to shut up. When he tells you you ain't going to go nowhere, you better shut up. When he tells you life ain't ever going to get any better, you got to shut up. When he tells you your family's going to fail, you got to tell him to shut up. There's somebody to just say, tell him to shut up. God had to say to him, objection, shut up, stop speaking. I've had enough of your accusations. Because you're right, but even though you're right, you're still wrong because I'm on his side. That's called favor. That means preferential treatment. Which means you should get the death penalty. Why? The wages of sin is death. But Jesus said, when I hung on that tree 2,000 years ago, I paid the price for them and I give them preferential treatment. Not because of how good they are, but because of how good one act I did was. Watch this. And still is. Verse 3. 
Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. So here's the accusation and standing before the Lord. He's now accused because he's dirty. He has no right to be there. The enemy's saying to him, you have no right to be here. Now, here's where I want to go deeper because I moved to it quickly on Sunday. I want to take a pause for the cause to go deeper. If you've ever been in court, there is now a notion. There is sometimes a feeling that people that have been through court situations describe that even though they may be completely innocent, the system may make them feel guilty. Okay, now if you've never been in that, you may not have any knowledge of that. But, but, but if you were to research it, I want you to now take for a moment, Joshua, he's the high priest, so he's not a regular guy. He's a man of God. I want you to take consideration how he feels about the fact that he's even got to be there in the first place. You ever had to be in a situation and you weren't, watch this, you were angry saying, I shouldn't even have to be in this situation. People will do certain things to you in life and you'll say, I shouldn't even have to be in this situation. You'll, somebody will uncover you and you'll say, I shouldn't even have to be in this situation. Somebody that you gave your all to didn't give their all back and you'll say, I shouldn't even have to be in this situation. Think about how he felt while he's standing there. And Satan says, look, he has no right to be here. He doesn't even deserve to stand here. He's filthy. He thinks nasty things. He says things he ought not say. I'll come down your road since y'all won't say amen tonight. She says things in known tongues. That means cussing. He lists all of these issues. He lists all of these problems and he's filthy. Somebody say he's filthy. So the angel, that's what he's, so the Satan rather, that's what he's pointing out. Verse four, then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. He said, I know that. Take it away. <laughs> Somebody say, I said this on Sunday. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Okay, I'm going to give you one more shot. Somebody say, hold up. Wait a minute. Let me put some grace up in it. Grace is when God gives you good things that you do not deserve. Here's what I like about it, and I might shout, so if I run off the stage, just you got to excuse me. That means y'all come sing. Joshua didn't even ask for the clothes to be taken. He just knew how to shut up and let his lawyer talk for him. Which means when the enemy comes in like a flood, you got to use these messages. You got to use God's word and let it do the talking for you. Touch your neighbor, say, let the lawyer talk for you. So when he says you ain't good enough, you got to let the lawyer talk. But I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and never beneath. When he says you're not good enough, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Let the lawyer talk for you. Says, he says, take away the filthy garments from me. And he said to him, see, I've removed your iniquity from you and I'll clothe you with rich robes. He says this. Here's what God is saying. He's both our judge and our attorney. I rule in his favor and I'm giving him grace. Verse 5. And then let me put a clean turban on his head. Turban, another word for that is crown. He said, let me put a clean crown on him because his crown has been so damaged. Watch this by his challenges. He starts out good. He doesn't finish well. Because he's always going through challenges that get the best of him. I want to talk to somebody for a minute where you are a great starter. But the challenge you've been facing lately is being a finisher. Well, I prophesy and speak it in your life tonight that God in the realm of the spirit, that God now puts a clean turban on your head. Somebody say, I'm not just a great starter. Say, I'm a great finisher. Say, my challenges will only propel me from this moment forward. Give him a 14-second shout right there. All right. I got to move. Got to move. Now, 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 God says, but look at verse 5. I like verse 5. Let me put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. Here's what I like. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Here's what's inferred. He stood by him. I need to get this. Say, he stood by him. Say, say, say he stood by him. He stood by him. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. He's in front of the judge. That would be a good time for God to say, mm, I don't want him no more. 
Watch this. You're in the middle of a challenge. Watch this. Lord, I feel so alone. I feel so by myself. Lord, I feel like I'm the only one going through this. He says, no, I'm standing by you. Okay, come in, New Edition. Sunny days. Everybody loves them. But the song says, can you stay in the rain? I'm going to tell somebody, God says, I'll be with you in your sunny days. And I'll be with you in your rainy days. Would you just tell your neighbor, say, he can stand the rain. Try the other neighbor, say, he can stand the rain. He says, I'm standing by you, even in the middle of your trial. You missed it. He's in court. He's having a trial. A trial is a euphemism uh, for a challenge. He's having a challenge, which means he's in a trial. God says, I'll stand by you in the midst of your trial. Watch this. When you have a trial, let me tell you who to watch out for. That's when God reveals who's actually on your side. Who's the only one that stood by him? The angel of the Lord. Where were all the people he prayed for? Gone. Where were all the people he helped? Gone. But who stood by him? The Lord. I dare somebody to just shout, the Lord is standing with me. But here's the question. Bishop, why is he our adversary? What's his problem with us? What did I do to him? Think about that for a minute. Like, why is he sitting there accusing you? Like, why? Okay, like, why, though? Somebody say, why? Why? Okay, okay. okay let me tell you why. 2 Peter 2, 4. You all all right? Yes, sir. Okay, I, I, got, I got five minutes. I'm preaching minutes. Which means double it and a half. Okay, watch this. 2 Peter 2, 4. If God did not spare the angels who sinned, leave the verse up for a moment. Why does the Bible call them angels? Now, where does the term demon come in? Greek mythology. I know it's used throughout the Gospels. That was to make the word palatable for the Greco-Roman culture. See, they were used to Zeus above, Hades below. They were used to multiple gods. So the concept of one God, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They didn't get that. Got it? So they had to make it palatable for the people. But notice, go, no, thank you, go back. Thank you, super job. Second Peter 2, 4. For if God did not spare the what? The what? Who what? Sin. But did what? Whoa, 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 whoa. To where? Now, let me treat you like Bible college for a minute. Can I treat you like Bible college for a minute? Uh, go to Revelation 12, 9. Go to Revelation 12, 9. I want you to see something. You read it. One, two, ready, read. Where? He was cast where? Okay, go back to 2 Peter 4. Come on, be a good church. 2 Peter 2, 4. 1, 2, ready, you read. Stop. Revelation says earth. 2 Peter says hell. Bishop, what is the scripture trying to tell us? Earth is hell for them. Because they're now bound by time. Maybe this is too deep for you. Uh, uh, say earth, earth is hell for them. So imagine what you do in a place where you feel like it's hell. You stir up as much trouble as you can with as many people as you can, as far as you can, just because you can. You hear church? Now, and deliver them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So, Revelation says they've been cast to what? Earth. Second Peter says they've been cast to what? Hell. So then earth is what for them? Hell. Which means this is torment because they used to stand in front of his presence perpetually and now they have to come down here and be with us. And the whole fight was over us in the first place. I don't have time to get that deep. So, 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 because the question is what? What's his problem with us? Listen, you ever had somebody had an issue with you and you're like, what is your problem with me? You know, they just, they just wake up with attitude. What is your problem? Okay, well, I'm, I'm showing you the enemy's problem. T touch your neighbor and say, he doesn't like you at all.
He's good with God. Just doesn't like you. Revelation 12, 12. <laughs> you with me, church? Okay. Revelation 12, 12. Let's look at this. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having what? Because? So, 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 he's, wrath means hot anger. The enemy has hot anger because he's now bound by time. And he's got a short amount of time to get you to self-destruct. Did you catch that? Now, now I need you to get this because this is messing up everything you were ever taught about the enemy because everything you were taught is not actually in the book. Somebody got it from somebody that 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 couldn't read. And say this with me. Say, ain't nobody mad but the devil. So you ain't got no reason to be walking around mad with a bad attitude. He the one with a short time. Now, so his issue is, his issue is, his issue is this. He's got a short time now. And his assignment is to get us to self-defeat. And we looked at this on Sunday, so I want to get to, are you good with point one, church? Okay, so I wanted you to look at it deeper, and then now I wanted you to understand the why behind the what. Why is he our adversary? So here's point number two. What Point number one is what? Don't build him. Point number two, don't praise him. Now, I said this, you may not say it consciously, but you do it when you say things like the devil is busy, or the devil is fighting me. Now think about it. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. The book of Job teaches us that. So if he, watch this, if he's messing with Susan in North Carolina, he cannot be messing with Jake in Miami at the same time. Okay, so touch them, so stop giving him power. I mean, because just think about it, out of all the places in the world he could be messing with stuff, is he really trying to mess with you through traffic? Devil is busy in this traffic, or you should have left early. It's quiet in the church. So we end up praising him, church, because we give him abilities and we praise him uh, for things that he doesn't have the ability to do. Satan, we learned in part one, can only do what he's permitted to do and when God permits it. And it's because God understands the necessity of an enemy. See, an enemy is resistance and you need resistance to build muscle in the gym. So you need resistance in life to grow. With no resistance, there is not growth. So watch this. Somebody ought to give God, watch this, a, a three-second shout. Why? Because I got to move fast. A three-second shout. Why? Because the resistance is proof that you're growing. So when you get resistance, don't say, ooh, it's just so heavy. No, pick it on up. It's proof that you are growing. Somebody say, I'm growing. And if you've ever been to the gym, if you've ever been to the gym and you, and you kind of went a little, you know, you did a few extra reps or you did a little bit more. And then, and then watch this. What's the first thing you do when you get home and get in the bathroom? You start checking. I want to just see. Look at your veins, see your veins, popping your veins on, popping out. Yeah. Let me just see. And you start flexing and all that. Why? Why? Because you want to see if there's been growth. After you just went through resistance. That's why they call it resistance training. Okay. So check this out, church. Your resistance is necessary, which means the enemy is necessary. Did you get that, church? Now, Satan can only operate within the parameters of what God has laid out and in those parameters. Now, uh, Joel 1.11. Now, he can never do anything more than what God permits, which means if God permits it, he's going to use it for my good and for his glory. But we shouldn't spend our time praising the enemy. We should spend it praising Jesus. You got that, church. Joel 1.11. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, for he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only don't lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He said, You can do whatever you want to do, but you can't kill him. He said, These are your parameters, dragon. These are your parameters, Satan. These are your parameters, enemy. You can only now operate within these parameters. You cannot go beyond these parameters. Somebody say, He cannot go on these parameters and so now watch this uh, uh, which means this is an important thing to understand because you have spent and most Christians if you've been a Christian for longer than probably 12 months you've spent the majority of your Christianity praising him the dragon 
Because even when you give God praise, you do it out of spite to the enemy. I'm just going through so much, but I'm going to give God praise. Why did you need to say you were going through so much? You just glorified the dragon. Y'all not saying nothing. Sometimes your greatest prayer, Lord, I just pray because I'm sick of the enemy. I'm sick of the devil working. I'm just saying, Lord, I'm sick of this. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm just sick of it, Lord. I give you praise. So the only reason you give him praise is to spite the dragon. But I think you're maturing to a place to where you say, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make its boast in the Lord not because of the dragon just because God is good somebody say he's good somebody say it again somebody say he's good no 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 I want you to understand this 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 just, just think about this for a minute think about this for a minute think about this for a minute um, when you anybody go to gym anybody looked at a gym before Okay. I'm not trying to use the blame. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we went in there and just laid hands? I think I did this at the 915, just laid hands on the stuff. Lord, I just received growth. Okay, but now think about it. Watch, watch this. If you go through the gym and you do resistance training and all that, and you build some muscle, you accomplish your goals, here's what's interesting. I just use it because it's an easy analogy. Um, think about this. You don't go walk up to the weights. Thanks, weights. Appreciate everything you've done for me. You were tough. You 45s, I remember when I started with you. I remember. You remember that? Remember the 45? You don't go give thanks to the weights. Because it was you that dealt with the resistance. The weights were simply used as a tool. This is what you're trying to say. The reason you made it through the resistance is because of Jesus. So stop focusing on giving praise to the weights and give your praise to Jesus, not to spite the weight, but just because God is good. God is good. God is good. So here it is, the third point, third point. I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to go deeper. Y'all good? Third point was this, don't feed them. I'm almost done. Y'all learning? We growing? All right. I'm wanting us to go deeper in this. Um, these last couple of weeks. Now, uh, I said this, don't feed him. Satan can't take anything from you. His accusations about you to you get you to give it up. But I want to show you where Jesus punked him. Okay. All right. So punked as a colloquialism that simply means he made him look awful. Okay. So now you understand what I mean when I say that. All right. So say Jesus punked the dragon. Here's where he did it. Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Whatever you feed grows. Okay? Now remember, he's angry, right? He's got wrath. Why? Because he's got time. How much time does he have, Bishop? Your lifespan. You missed it. Your lifespan. That's the time he has. So he needs to get you, watch this, to waste all of your time with things that don't matter. So then by the time you're ready to live life, it's too late to live it. Because you wasted it. But tonight, I declare a restoration of your years, of any time that you wasted, of any time you wasted in bad relationships, bad friendships, bad thinking, bad ideologies. I declare a restoration of time. The scripture says we should redeem the time. Somebody say, I'm redeeming my time. I don't care if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. I don't care how young you are, how not young you are. I've come to tell you, if you got breath in your body, you've got to redeem the time and make the most of the time you have. He's got a short time to get you to self-sabotage. Here it is, Colossians 2 and 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers. Those phrases, principalities and powers, to be very simple, I could go deep. I don't want to go that deep with these phrases tonight. Those phrases refer specifically to the dragon, say the dragon. But it doesn't just deal with the dragon. It actually deals with the dragon's whole system. Because principalities deal with rulers over regions. 
prevailing mindsets over regions, over, over areas. You ever been to a certain area and you're like, man, everybody in this area thinks like this or acts like this or does this. You ever done that? So principalities deal with the rulers of regions. And they rule through a mentality. So he didn't just destroy the dragon. He destroys the entire dragon's system. See, his system was, let me introduce, can I just go deep for a moment? Let me introduce a thought pattern to certain people in a certain region so that now that thought pattern will be pervasive for many years thereafter. Therefore, they will become self-defeating. And Napoleon said, never interfere with an enemy when he is in the process of defeating himself. So what the dragon does is says, if I can sow one seed once, I can mess up a whole bloodline. See, you're dealing with stuff from two and three hundred years of folk from before you. That's why the Bible says, can I preach like I want to? That's why the Bible says the sins of the fathers, the previous generations, that they would be visited now to the third and fourth generation, which means now you are dealing with stuff from people you have never met. And that's why in the book of Zechariah, he said, I take your iniquity away from you. Well, iniquity is generational sin. So what he's saying is, is now I got to take away with the system, the dragon put in place in your bloodline. I got to take away the system the dragon put in place and people in Aurora. I got to take away the system the dragon put in place and people in Denver. I got to take away the system the dragon put in place for people in Colorado Springs. I got to take away the system the dragon put in place for people in Dallas. Y'all not saying that. He's got to take down the system. Did you catch that? Verse. He says principalities. The system. You got it? Anybody ever done? Anybody ever done a business where um, you know, um, like a uh, 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 like a network uh, marketing type business or multi level marketing or anything like? That? Anybody? You don't talk about it. So, but just anybody done it? Or anybody know someone that's done one? Okay, that should be everybody. Everybody has been hit up for one of those at some point. Some of y'all are trying to hit up folk right now after church. Make sure you see me after praise and worship. Got an opportunity of a lifetime. Now, here's what they do. They'll, they'll have the different leadership levels, leadership structures, and in that leadership structure, then they'll have, you know, different titles of different organizations. One will say, you know, regional vice president, one, you know, the junior, the diamond level partner, the, the you know, the ex executive, or the super executive, associate super executive, um, you know, the, the chief presiding, you know, whatever, okay? You have all these different ranks for these different leadership roles as you ascend in the organization, Right? Yeah. In a company, in a company, in a business, you have now, uh, you have now employees, you have mid-level management, and you have senior management, you have board of directors, etc. There are different ranks, there are different levels that control different parts of the organization. Here's the principle. When Jesus disarmed the principalities, Jesus said, come here, dragon, but give me your whole downline. I don't think you understood that. So, so watch this. He says, give me your whole downline. I want to deal with everything you've ever influenced in the life of my people. And now I want to take away your power to continue to do that. Which means if he's doing anything, it's simply because you're letting a principality act like a prince and he's not one. Oh, God. I, I think I better just go on and close. I think I'm going too deep for you. Somebody say he destroyed the whole system. Now, so, so watch this. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Somebody say, it is finished. The thief can no longer steal, kill, and destroy unless we allow him to. When Jesus said that, Jesus hadn't went to Calvary yet. So after he goes to Calvary, the thief can no longer steal, kill, and destroy unless we allow him to. But he's fully defeated, but you can still feed him. And watch this. He gets worse when you feed him. And I said this to you, I got to close it right here. You feed the dragon by eating what he feeds you. When you eat his condemnation, when you eat his guilt, when you eat his shame, when you eat all of those things, you end up feeding him. And we looked at Judas, and when we looked at Judas, you remember this from part one? Remember this from part one? We looked at, I got to wrap it up, I'm out of time. When we looked at Judas, we looked at Judas's life, and we looked at Judas's life, we looked at how the scripture says that Satan entered Judas. And that word entered means like eating food, a thought enters your mind. This was from, and this was from Luke 22 and 3. A thought enters your mind. And we talked about how food is fuel. Say food is fuel. Food fuels whatever is already present. So if you have a fear of rejection present, what is, fuel, what is food going to do? 
fuel your fear of rejection. So now everything is going to be about rejection. Everything. Got it? If you have low self-esteem and it's already present, what is food going to do? Fuel that. So now what's going to happen to your self-esteem as you go through life? It's going to get worse. So you'll do more to improve the outside, less to, to improve the inside, because you think that the outside has a greater value because you're chasing something that you never obtained. So you're trying to see how many likes you get on your selfie, and you judge your worth based on that. So if you don't get a certain level of likes, you're like, oh, nobody likes me. How about you like yourself? Y'all not saying nothing to me. Y'all not saying nothing to me. So if somebody doesn't compliment the way you look, oh, this is, I just must be ugly. Or they just can't see good things. Learn to compliment yourself. The Bible says don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. It didn't say don't think highly of yourself. Got it? See, if, if, if you're always living for their approval, you'll die when they don't give it to you. I can't believe so-and-so didn't say I did a good job. I did one. Got it? It's kind of like, it's kind of like um, it's in, in, the re in the region of Denver. I, I got closed. Touch your neighbor and say, and he's getting ready to close. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, in the region of Denver, in the region of Denver, it's an interesting thing because Denver, Colorado is the bottom five of church attendance, right? In, in the nation. Okay, 25% of people in Colorado say that they attend church uh, services regularly. This includes Christians, Muslims, and Jews. Now, what's significant about that is that if you've got, if you're the bottom five, we're 45 out of 50 states. Okay, all right, Texas, top five out of 50 states. <laughs> now, it's interesting because then you drive an hour south to Colorado Springs, they call it the Bible Belt of the West. It's like amazing what a highway drive can do. Now, here's what's significant about this. Say, what's significant, Bishop? So what's great preaching in a region where you don't have, I don't want to say that. How would you know that something's great if there's not a lot of great? Does that make sense? Uh, you know, how would you know that something is, you know, biblical and accurate if there's not a lot of biblical and accurate? It's kind of like good food. I've had some of what y'all brought as good food from restaurants that's supposed to be good soul food restaurants in Denver. I'm trying to, I'm talking so slow so that I keep this nice and good. Normally people say, Bishop, talk so fast. That's because I got a lot to say. You need to listen faster. <laughs> so I, I, I remember people said, Bishop, this is good soul food. I said, okay, great. Let me taste it. I said, what is this? Mm, go get my bistro because this is, <laughs> my bistro cooks can run circles around these people. Can I get a witness in the house for the Harvest Bistro? I mean, literally, I could take them some pieces of cardboard and say, season this up. And people be like, this is so good. What is this? Chicken fried steak? <laughs> it's fried. Here's the point I'm trying to get to. Here's the point I'm trying to get to. Here's the point I'm trying to get to. Is that what's great soul food if you're not in a region where there's great soul food? I like soul food. You made me don't like soul food. Maybe you have calories and all that. But I love them. I love calories. I love cheese. I love grease. Now, I'm not going to eat it after six, and I'm going to have water with it. You know, if it's fried, it's right. Okay, y'all just got real quiet on me. This, this must be the healthy Wednesday night crowd. Last Wednesday's night crowd was, had I said fried, they would have been all over it. Here's the point. Here's the point. Um, when it comes to value, somebody say value. Sometimes you, you have to realize that your value may not be recognized when you're in a region or you're in an area or you're in a place where there is not a perceptivity to value at all. Did, did you, did you, did you? Okay, kids, can I, okay, okay, good. Let's, let's just touch your neighbor and say, I got it, I got it, I got it. Even if you didn't quite get it, just say, I got it by faith. And just say, man, I gotta move on, okay. So Judas, Judas, so remember, food fuels what? Whatever's present. So Judas has this fear of rejection because he's stealing from Jesus. John, John 12, 6 teaches us that Judas is stealing from Jesus. And because he's stealing, 
He's got this fear of rejection that Jesus is going to reject him. So he had always dealt with this fear of rejection because he had been rejected before he got to Jesus. See, a lot of the issues you deal with with people in your life now come from before you. You are just the type of person that won't watch this ignore. My God, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, so what happens is I got 30 seconds and I'm getting ready to close. <laughs> so Judas, uh, the 12, the 12, the 12. Somebody say the 12. You know them. Peter, Thomas, and them. Second time. Now, um, he's got the 12. These 12, check this out, were between ages 13 and 21. Peter was the oldest. It's something interesting. Because in our world today, we keep saying, well, you need to wait until you're older to do stuff. Not in the Hebrew day, not in the Bible. In the Bible, no. If you was waiting to start at, you know, 30 and 40 and 50 and 60, you're like, oh, God, you're waiting to do it now? You were considered a man at 13 in Hebrew culture. So at 13, I mean, it's time to clean. It means it's time to work. The Bible says a man that don't work, don't eat. Well, now you can have a better appreciation for that because you, you were considered a man when you were 13. It was called bar mitzvah, the age of the law, mitzvah law. So these 12 guys come to Jesus. They were found doing their father's trade, which meant the rabbis had told them they were not good enough. Rabbi said, you're not good enough, so go do your father's trade because you're not good enough to apprentice us. Jesus comes as a Hebrew rabbi, and he says, come, follow me, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden's light. These were the words those guys had waited to hear their whole life because they were all told no. They were all rejected by male leadership in their life before. So when Jesus shows up and tells them, I accept you, that's why they dropped everything. You understand that? How you, how, Peter was married. He dropped everything. Now, I'm sure when he got home, yeah, baby, where you been all day? Oh, out. this is new dude. Uh, he started this church named Jesus, or Yeshua, uh, Jesus, and uh, we started this church, and so I'm going to do it with him. Oh, great. Okay, so you're going to do that after work? Um, actually, I was going to talk to you about that, baby, because what happened today you're never going to believe this. Um, so Jesus was like, uh, come follow me. And, you know, I wanted, you know, I was in the rabbi training class uh, over at the yeshiva. That's the Hebrew school. Stick with me. I was in the rabbi training class and they told me I wasn't good enough and I wasn't going to be able to follow him. So Jesus comes along. He's got his rabbi gear on. He looks legit. He looks legit. And uh, and so, you know, you know, I like praise and worship. They had the lights off and stuff like that. It was going to lights and they said clapping and stuff. And so now, uh, you know, so I took a job with him. Where the boat at? He's a fisherman. Where's the boat? Um, so it's, it's at the dock. It's at the dock. Okay, well, well where the fish? Did you finish fishing? Well, no, because when he, he came around lunchtime. And so when he came, we were just getting going. So I, it's all there. Remember, the Bible says they dropped everything. You want to know your neighbor's problem is, watch this. You want to follow Jesus and hold on to stuff. Okay, what was it? You touch your name and say, you're going to have to drop something. Tell them you have to drop something. You want to hold on to too much. You're trying to hold on to who you used to be. Hold on to old friends. Hold on to old habits. Somebody, I got to drop it. They dropped what they were doing because what they were doing wasn't more important than what he was doing. And I'm getting ready to close. And so he dropped it and watched this. So, so she's talking. I can imagine the conversation going on at the house. And she's like, so the boat's at the dock, huh? So rent's due. Uh, light, gas, and water. <laughs> now, of course, it's not day, but you know, okay. She said, we got all these bills. Cricket. <laughs> Little crickets, they sent them out with messages. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we, we got all these bills, and you dropped everything to follow Jesus, but baby, you don't understand. When I met that man, that man said to me what I've been waiting to hear my whole life. And when that man said, come follow me, I had to. I, 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 I had to. I, I had to drop everything. 
to pick up his thing because his thing is going to be the greatest thing that's ever built. And I think there's some people in here on a Wednesday night that can say, I'll drop my thing Pick up his thing because his thing will be the grunt. And that's why some people don't understand why you're so devoted to church. They don't understand why you're so devoted to serving. They don't understand why you're so devoted to giving. It's because you heard what you've been waiting to hear your whole life. So Jesus finds these 12 and they have been rejected. They dealt with rejection. And Jesus says, I accept you. But now Judas, after getting accepted, he starts slipping back into his old ways. He starts slipping back into, he had money issues before. Bible says, John 12, go and put it up. He was stealing from Jesus' money box. Let me throw this in there. Jesus wasn't poor because he had a treasurer. You, you, you don't need a treasurer to count pennies. Him and Peter could have went in the back and did that. He had one guy whose full-time job was to count. Got it? So now, we looked at this on Sunday. He's back in his old ways, and he's thinking, Jesus is going to get rid of me. I know he is because I've been messing up. I've been failing. I've been saying stuff I shouldn't say. I've been thinking stuff I shouldn't do. How many times in life have we started good? I'm in church now. Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> and then you make some mistakes. Then you have some failures. And now, thinking to yourself, it's probably going to reject me. Judas thought Jesus was going to reject him. And here it is, I'm done. And so the Bible says the enemy fed him some thoughts. And you know what Judas did? He ate them. And when he ate those thoughts, he was really feeding the dragon. How many thoughts have you been eating about you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes, you're not strong enough, you're all by yourself, life is never going to... How many thoughts have you been eating? And you're like, well, it's just me eating it. No, you're feeding him. Because now he sees you react to those thoughts. So you know what he does? He gives you some more. Never let him see you sweat. Stop responding so openly. He doesn't know what you're thinking. So he, watch this. He feeds you a thought and then watches. Wait a minute. I just said all of that and she's still shouting in church? He'll be like, I don't even want to mess with her no more. Let me go find somebody else. <laughs> And here it is. I'm closing right through here. Touch your neighbor. Say, be the type of Christian that he looks at and passes by because you don't respond. I need some radical people. Watch this. That are going to make a commitment from this night forward. I'm going to stop responding when he gives me a... I'm going to stop responding when he gives me a negative thought. And I'm out of time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.